Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online. You know, we love doing this show for you every single week, but doing the show is not free. So if you enjoy the show, we ask maybe uh, consider helping us out a bit and supporting it. You can do that by becoming an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com. EPP means extra podcast person. You get an extra podcast for your support of the show. Every single week, we send you a brand new one. And you get access to our past archive of EPP episodes as well. Right. Right now, that's more than 15 bonus episodes along with the weekly episode that you'll be getting every single week for only five bucks a month. If you like the show, help keep us on the air. And become an EPP at realghoststoriesonline.com today. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Tonight, 10 years after a terrifying encounter, a listener still will not look into the closet. A young boy answers a phone call from the other side and relays a message only the deceased loved one would know. And your calls and more on Real Ghost Stories Online tonight. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm counting down the days till summer. You know what? I saw on Facebook, I think a couple days ago, it was like 75 days till spring starts. Thank God. So... I in summer I, I never get cold, I never am sick, I feel good, no cough, no congestion, no nothing. It's just a nice good seven, eight, nine month span of health. Yeah. And then fall hits and it's just like bad allergies and then the cold start coming in and we have the two little minions in the basement that are really magnets for germs that <laughs> that bring it all in, <laughs> and, and you just can't escape it. Our carrier monkeys. Our carrier monkeys. Yes. And uh, gosh, you know you love them to death, but you can't uh, escape uh, getting uh, getting a cold from them. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's kind of nice. You and I both work from home, so we have yeah. that lessened exposure. And little one's too little; she doesn't go to preschool yet. Sure. But Good old second graders are full of everything. Oh, they are. They totally are. And you know what? And the thing is, I you know I can't blame her because she'll, you know, you, you watch her actions. You're like, don't touch that. Don't do that. That's so many germs. But the thing is, I do have the shit she does as far as like not thinking and touching this and touching that. If I'm just walking through a store unsupervised, I'm doing the same stupid shit. I act like a second grader all the time. Well, I, if I had my mom there scolding me, I would be being scolded just as much as I scold her for that. And, and she probably has half a dozen of those tiny little bottles of hand sanitizer yeah. and all the different smells. Yeah. And I don't even get on her case. As long as she's got one with her, I yeah. know she's using it. And she's obsessive about it, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like she's like, yeah, she, you know, it's just she's a second grader. She's much more sanitary than I ever was. It's, we didn't have oh, yeah. hand sanitizer back then. Oh, no. Rub dirt on it. That was how I grew up. I just like wash. I had to be constantly reminded, wash your hands. And that meant run the cold water for three seconds, swipe your hands through it and dry them mm-hmm. on one of the remember the old dryer like towels, the like. 
the the yeah. one that just reversed around and was constantly dirty and disgusting. Oh yeah, it's like oh that's how you dry your hands. And then eventually somebody finally said in like 1998, uh, that's not so sanitary. We probably shouldn't be doing that anymore. I haven't seen one of those in a long time. It's because they're disgusting. They are. They were just cesspools for disaster. So uh, yeah, anywho, I still got I got I, I still got some new credit. I was better for about a week. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then it, it got that way again. So, hey, happy winter, everybody. The phone number is 855-853-4802 to call into Real Ghost Stories online. We'd love to hear your Real Ghost Story. Of course, you can always write into the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Uh, a lot of calls today, which I'm excited about. So we'll get to some of those uh, in just a few minutes. Let's kick off the show today, though, with a letter. Uh, this uh, letter comes into us from Rachel. Rachel writes, writes in, Let me begin by thanking you for making this amazing podcast. I've been contemplating sharing my story for a while now. And after a recent caller story of a disembodied head haunting her as a child... I decided it was finally time to try to come to terms with my own similar tale. Not long before my 16th birthday, my grandmother passed away. My grandfather passed away a few years before her. Their home did not sit vacant for very long, and on my 16th birthday, my parents opted to move our family of four, plus a large dog from the small two-bedroom rental, into the larger three-bedroom, two-bathroom home, which was built by my grandfather in the 1960s. Even though both grandparents had died there, the happy memories my father had growing up in the home and those shared by my sister and I overpowered the bad ones. Unfortunately... It seems we weren't alone in that house. I have many stories of shadows and objects moving experienced by all members of my family, and perhaps I'll share those later if you're interested. For me, the most terrifying experience was that of a disembodied head. I was 17 years old, and my parents had a large screen TV with cable in their room. I wanted to watch something. I can't recall what, most likely something like Real World on MTV or something like that. I lay down in their bed, and as I got into the show, I heard something moving behind me. Some thinking someone had come into the room, I sat up and turned to look at the door. It was closed. The light was off, and it was hard to see if anyone was already in there with me. So I turned on the nightstand lamp and noticed the closet door was open. I didn't recall it being open when I came into the room. Got up to ask my mom if she had come in and needed something. I reached for the doorknob when I saw it, a ghostly, white, wrinkled, bald man's head with black eyes staring out at me from the closet. I let out a blood-curdling scream and turned the knob. It would not move. I continued to scream at the top of my lungs as I pounded my fists against the door, pulling hard at the knob. The face kept staring at me, and I ran backwards to the opposite corner, not, think, not taking my eyes off it as I continued to scream and gasp for air. I heard my dad on the other side knocking on the door and trying to twist the knob, telling me to let him in. I felt my knees give out as I started to hyperventilate between screams. The next thing I remember is my parents grabbing my arms and pulling me into the living room. I don't recall what happened to the head, nor do I remember how long I sat in the corner. I somewhat blacked out from the event. My sister said I was babbling about the man in the closet. It sounded like I had lost my mind. Of course, my father thought there was an intruder and tore apart the closet, but found no one. Once they had calmed me down, they asked me why I locked the door. I told them I hadn't, and they must have 
when they came in. They all stared at me, puzzled, and said, No one went into the room. We've all been sitting out here. I started shaking uncontrollably as I told them that the closet door seemed to have opened by itself then. My father, the logical one, tried to say I probably just didn't notice that someone had left it open, that's all. I asked how he could explain the face I saw then. Of course, he continued to tell me it was just my imagination and tried to say I was probably just turning the knob the wrong way and had somehow locked it in my panic. It is possible that I locked the door myself by mistake in my rush, but considering the lock was broken and it took two hands to turn, I just don't see it happening. I asked how he got it and he said, It just opened after I jiggled it enough. Also something that couldn't be simply explained. The next day, my mother shared with me stories of a cloaked, bald figure resembling that of a monk whom haunted my grandfather on and off throughout the years in that home. She also told me that many times when my father wasn't home, she would feel the weight of the bed shift as though someone were climbing into the other side of it. Needless to say, it's been ten years and I still don't go into that room alone. And even with someone, I try to avoid making eye contact with the closet. If you're interested in any more stories, just let me know. I'd be happy to share them, and perhaps I'll be more comfortable to call in about those. This is just difficult to tell, especially considering I blocked most of it out until recently. Thanks again. We definitely want to hear any other stories. I Imagining... A disembodied head in the closet and I don't think I'd be keeping anything in the closet anymore. I would be too terrified. How would you be about uh, moving into a grandparent's home? Um, When they're already gone? Yeah. It just depends on if it has that grandparent smell. <laughs> what do you mean you can get rid of smell? It sometimes takes quite a bit of work. Sometimes you have to get everything repainted or even primed and then painted and then sure. rip up all the carpet and everything. Just get the the smell out. Which would be almost needed to be done. I mean, I'm trying to think of my grandparents' home. And, I mean, if we were to had it moved into there, there would be a lot of renovation that would need to go on, which I think would rip, get rid of smell. Oh, sure. And things of that nature. I'm just talking like just the general idea of it. I know a lot of folks do that. I don't know if... I don't know. I think it just depends on the situation. If it's the house that, you know, one of the parents had grown up in mm -hmm. and it's, you know, more comfortable for everybody. Sure. I'd probably be okay with it. But if it's like they're downsized, I'm not sure. taking care of anything anymore. That's different. Yeah, that's I, different. I think it's situational. And I, here's what's difficult for me to contemplate it is because it would it mean it'd be one thing if we were living in the same city, uh -huh. and then suddenly, oh well, they need to or they they need to go somewhere else. This house needs to go. Then I think it'd be an easier decision. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's hard to contemplate because if our situation, we're like, oh, moving across the country one way or the other. Yeah. You know, to do such a task. I just, I have, I have a lot of memories in my grandparents' house. It was all really happy and good. Um, but it would just, I don't know, it would just be kind of always, I think perpetually, I'd feel like somewhat like a child going into my grandparents' house. Really? Because that's when my, like, most of my memories were from, was I spent a lot of childhood days there. Not so much, not a ton in my teen years other than some holidays, but 
Growing up, I was there several times a week. See, it, it wouldn't be my grandparents' house, but it'd be our kids' grandparents' house. But yeah. I've always dreamt of going back and buying the house I grew up in mm-hmm. out in the country, redoing the inside just like they do on that show yeah. and, that we love to watch. And I I would love, absolutely love that. But it would be kind of like my turf. It's always been my turf. I don't know if anybody else would ever feel completely comfortable would there. Would you feel like a little kid? No, I don't think I would. No? I think I just, I have such fond memories sure. of growing up there that I want that for my kids. Yeah. Cottage. A cottage? <laughs> it's more than a cottage. It's it's a, it's a full-blown house. It's a full-blown house. Yeah, yeah, and cottages, yeah. Anyway, I, it's just one of those interesting thoughts. I don't, And I also would fear, um, not necessarily fear, but I'd be a little apprehensive because both my grandparents are dead, of the idea of them showing back up again. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it'd be anything mean. I just, I don't know that I'd ever feel, like, really feel alone Yeah. in the house, you know, or that it was mine. I don't know. Just, I don't know. An interesting thought. Yeah. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us. Let's go to a caller. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, Tony. Ed Jenny, this is Robert from Utah. Um, I'm going to tell you something that's been going on with my 16-year-old daughter at our house. We've lived in this house for three years now, and about probably eight months ago or so, she came to me and um, kind of looked exasperated. She came to me and she, she tells me that she's been having someone wake her up in the night, sitting on her chest and stuff. She had no idea what it was, but she described perfectly the old hag syndrome. And um, so, of course, you know, and I had her look it up online and stuff and and what people go through, and she said that was exactly it. Um, She said she didn't open her eyes, though, or she wouldn't open her eyes when it happened because she was scared to see whomever it was. But she said they would come in, sit on her chest, she could feel their breath, and all this stuff. So... Um, of course, I didn't know what to do, but I tell her to, you know, start praying. Pray before she goes to bed. When it happens, ask Jesus for help. Say the Our Father, some Hail Marys, something. And then, uh, and I'm going to give somebody else a show plug, but it's part of the story. So somewhere around the summer, I found a, a show called, a radio show called Darkness Radio. Um through Dave Schrader that he hosts Coast to Coast on the weekend sometimes. And they have this thing where, like, they they sell um, blessed uh, necklaces or bracelets. They're blessed by a priest or a bishop, probably a bishop. And so I got her one that has a a St. Benedict on it who is patron saint for, like, fighting against demons or evil spirits. So I give her that. And... um, it, it helped, but, you know, she's 16. She wouldn't wear it all the time. She'd hang it by her bed or on the nightstand or whatever and then get it when when she needed it. But she was going through these attacks just about every night. And uh, and she said that when she would pray that, that it would intensify for a few seconds and then let out. And then, like I said, after we got that necklace, when she would wear it, because I was telling her she needed to wear it every night, well, for a while, a couple of weeks, it hung on her stand, 
uh, until she got an attack. Then she gets up in the night and she puts it on and nothing further happened. And then, and then this is how it's kind of went. She's sometimes she wears it. Sometimes she doesn't. If something happens, she'll pull it out. And, and then last, you see, day before yesterday, so I work kind of late. I come home about one o'clock, go to bed around two and I go upstairs and her light is on and I'm going to turn it off. And she tells me, no, dad, don't turn off my light. She says that, that she's laying on her bed watching TV, not asleep. She said that, that she is seeing an old woman in her room standing kind of near the doorway, laughing at her and stuff. And then she said she's seeing kids as well. When she said that, that she had been woken up like four different times by this lady earlier being on her. And she did see her that time. Well, then, of course, I tell her, you know, you need to get your necklace and put it on. And so she did, and she said that that, that stopped that. You know, I asked her the next day, and so we'll see. And I told her she needs to wear that every day. But um, the old hag thing, I think, is definitely real. Excuse me, and different from the um, sleep paralysis, because, like I said, I mean, she had no idea what old hag was, and she described it perfectly. And there are pictures that have been painted in from like the Middle Ages of not necessarily the old hag, but more like a demon figure sitting on people's chests and stuff. So this is, this is something that's been going on for quite a while. All right. Um, thanks. Good show. Love it. Bye. Thank you for uh, calling in and sharing that story with us. Is there a way you can uh, bless tattoo ink and then have that put on you? I don't huh? know. That's a cool idea. You know, I'm just thinking, you know, for the folks who are being plagued by demons and need to physically wear something but forget to put it on. It's like a child with glasses. They know they need them. Right. But it, yeah, I can do without it for a little while. It's like, oh, shit, I got a headache. Now I got to put my glasses on. It's like this. It's like, I know I need it. And, oh, shit, a demon's attacking me. I should have worn the necklace. I um, don't know. I wonder if it, because you're doing something to your body and, and... If that's frowned upon? Yeah. I don't know. I like the idea, though. I'm just wondering. You know, can you get blessed tattoos? Because I don't think it would work after the fact, because that's just kind of like blessing the person. You know, I'm not saying, you know, let me like, you know, let's get the ink in there now, let's bless this part of your... I don't think that... I mean, you can have a blessing put on yourself, mm-hmm. but I'm saying like how the object itself is blessed, you know, like the holy water and things of that nature, or the object, you know. Can you bless the ink that's being then expounded into your body? I want anybody that has any information on that to I, I just invented a brand know. new industry. Would you right. do it? No. No? I don't want any tattoos. I don't like tattoos. I'm, I'm nothing against anyone who has them. If That's totally, it's a personal choice. I just personally, it's not a religious choice either. It's nothing to do with religion at all. I just don't like them. I mean, I personally I, I don't find them attractive um, and I, I don't, I don't know. So that knocks it out for me too. <laughs> it's up to you. Where would you get one? Where would you get a, a blessed tattoo? I don't know. I'd have to have more thought into it than the two now, minutes that we've been you talking. You must decide this. No, I don't know. Surprise, right outside the window or right outside the door here is a man with a tattoo. Great. <laughs> Come on in here. <laughs> I don't 
don't know. I don't know. I, I've thought about it before, but that was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was not a tattoo person. I, at one point, I contemplated getting an earring. Um, like in the early parts of the 2000s. Uh-huh. And that never happened. And I'm happy that didn't happen. Why? I don't know. Because I, I, it kind of went out, I think, for a lot of guys. It was kind of, it was a really uh, ton. I was like, I was a minority of not having one. Oh, I know. It seemed, you know, at that day and age. Uh, but then now I look and it's like nobody my age really has one. or It's few and far between. And, I'm, and that I, I still, I look and go, oh, that's not bad looking i mean i have nothing against that you know i i that i'm cool with i just don't think it's super you know in anymore i don't know i think what killed it for me was when at 60 something years old harrison ford went and got an earring yeah i just i was a fan of the anthony bourdain i still am so i was like hey look he looks cool i like that it's kind of a smart ass and that's that's why i was kind of thinking of it the ultimate way to get your kids to not do stuff like that if you don't want them to do it when they're teenagers to yourself and then they're like oh my god dad exactly exactly when i was a teenager my dad went through a phase and he got a ton of tattoos like he's got like 20 tattoos and he's he started getting his ear pierced not just like regular pierced but like I don't even know what you call the little triangle thingy right in front of your ear hole. I don't know. Got that pierced, like the top of his ear. Yeah. He took most of those out, and he said they hurt, but I was like, that just kind of ruins it for me. (laughs) So should I get all tatted up and pierced up when the girls hit the teen years (laughs) to prevent them from doing this to themselves? Here's what you do. Daddy's doing this for you. Here's what you do to mess them up completely. You wait until they're almost full grown, and then you totally do a game changer. Like, guess what? We're different parents now. (laughs) That works out well every time. Every time. (laughs) 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Hi. Hello, Tony and Jenny. This is Gabriella. Um, I have not ever done this before. Um, I have gotten hooked to your show, and I greatly enjoy listening to other people's experiences. Um, I myself have had many uh, throughout my life. And um, I wanted to share one that has greatly affected me even to this day. Um, It happened when I was four years old. I lived in a very big house out in Long Island, and the house was completely full of windows. So that alone made it very scary to live in, um, because you can see the night outside and not often much around it. Um, But when I was four years old, my parents had moved me to my own room, and Uh, It was just a new addition that was put onto the house. I don't know when. Um, But every night was a scary night for me. And uh, I had this recessed area of my room that was pitch black. So in order to kind of calm myself, I made a stuffed animal wall so I wouldn't have to see it. Um, I had a nightlight near my bed and a nightlight near my open door, which led to a very dark hallway. Kind of defeats the point of having an open door. Um, In any case, uh, this one night, like almost every night, I was staring at the doorway and all of a sudden this thing peered around my door. I'm not even sure what the heck it was. It was 
it was like if you were um, getting out of a shower and you had to tell somebody something but you don't want the rest of your body seen. And um, what it looked like was uh, like a woman with long hair that had the turban put up. Um, it was a bit hood-like with the cone-ish, turban-y thing going on. Um, the thing that scared me about it was my nightlight did not shine on any features, not a chin, not a nose. And being that close to the light, you would normally see something. Uh, well, by then I knew that to be sure that it wasn't any of my family. So I called out to it. I named almost everybody I could think of in my very big family and got no response. Uh, and I still felt like it was looking at me. I did not, even though I couldn't see the eyes, where the face was supposed to be was the face directly towards me. And when it didn't say anything, that's when I started getting very scared. Um, I wanted to scream, but I was scared that if I screamed, it would come at me. So I did like any kid did, and I hid underneath the covers. And my covers were somewhat see-through. So I was trying to look at the doorway through my covers, and I guess I must have fallen asleep at some point. Um, but that was one of many things that have happened. And uh, it's affected me to this day, I say, because I'm 26 now. And I have to make sure all the doors are closed, uh, all cabinets closed. I can't have anything open before I go to sleep. Um, thanks for having this uh, podcast, and I hope it continues for a very long time. And I hope I don't sound too nervous. <laughs> uh, thank you. Bye. Yeah, we're going to go back and listen to that one part. Bye, but, Thoughts on the call first. Okay, well, it's a scary call. It sounds like it could have been a shadow person on the based on the description, but I'm not completely positive. Because she said she couldn't see facial features, so that mm. made me think shadow person, but yeah. maybe, I don't know. I couldn't get past the creepy laugh. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to call back and let us know if there was someone else in the other room or near you that did a, uh, a laugh. I'm going to turn the music off for just a second here because there's a lot of people I know who listen to like the show to a extreme they know it better than we do and we yeah. do the damn show. And and they can like every little minute audio uh, inconsistency which a lot of times quite honestly guys um, if I don't address it, uh, if somebody brings it up, it's because I, I was debunking them for a long time. Yeah. And, just, and, and it wasn't like, like, ha ha ha, you're an idiot. It was more so like, no, actually it was this audio issue or like we brought up a Windows browser in the middle of a call and it, you know, automatically started playing a video or something. And it wasn't anything to do with a ghost. It was just nothing to be. It was our, our fault. Yeah. But I do listen to that. I do go back and check when somebody points something out. Uh, there hasn't been anything that's been not explainable. Um, so anyhow, they call that inexplicable, inexplicable. That's the word. Okay. I learn new words every day on this show. It's so exciting. It's like being in third grade all over again. Um, okay. Here's that part of the call where we heard that laugh in the background. That was kind of creepy. Like almost every night I was staring at the doorway 
And oh yeah, I heard that loud and clear. Okay, a little bit. Let's play it again. Uh, kind of defeats the point of having an open door. Um, in any case, uh, this one night, like almost every night, I was staring at the doorway, and all of a sudden, this. Th- Here's what's weird to me about it is, is you don't hear it ever again. You don't hear like anything. Uh-uh. I mean, I'm looking at the waveform file here, and she sounds like she's in a pretty damn silent room, except for that. Yeah. It's almost like a taunting laugh. Maybe I'm nuts. Maybe I'm overreacting. I don't know. We do a ghost show, so it's hard not to. But uh, do let us know if there was anyone else nearby when you called in. Well, and anybody that's listened to us for any length has heard the calls where people have some noise in the background, like, oh, that wasn't an EVP. It was just whatever. Normally, you can tell. Normally, there's like other inconsistencies. If there had been like continuous laughter throughout the call, I probably would have been like, oh, there's a TV on or something. Or, or they give us a heads up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's just my idiot brother. Or it sounds like they're doing dishes and it turns out they're nearly possessed. Um, <laughs> you never know. Um, but That's not funny. I'm sorry. It happens. Um, so uh, please let us know. That was creepy. And if I didn't point it out, it would have been pointed out by 500 people. So uh, there we and, go. And so I, I'm on board with you there. I don't know what it was. Uh, so we will we'll soon find out. So wants to start a thread on it and start evaluating it. You got the audio. So uh, maybe someone can reverse it. Remember the reverse yourself guy? Re- yeah, reverse yourself. Is that, is, that how it's, is that how it's said? That's how he spells it. Reverse yose- yourself? Re- reverse yourself. Oh, okay. Um, it's interesting. I, I totally give him... I mean, and I've heard those arguments before. I just thought that the ones that he pointed out on our show didn't make any logical sense. They totally sounded like something. They really did. But like, one was like about like squirrels or something i don't know <laughs> it's like what it reminded me of like the dream sequences from twin peaks <laughs> yeah that's what it sounded like i love i i and, and there, he's a great contributor to our, our our message board to reverse yourself um i just just those ones just maybe there is some hidden meaning in some of them i just don't think every reverse thing means something maybe there is something to it in some cases but I don't think it means because one of them was really out there. I was like, what? I don't even know what this even means. I enjoyed it just because I'm a big fan of bad lip reading. Yeah. On YouTube. (laughs) It was kind of like that. Yeah. It's kind of like that. It's like, what kind of crazy shit can you make them say? Hey, If he gets any more, reverse yourself. I know you listen to the show. Uh, If you get any more of those, please let us know. I would love to hear more if you uh, ever come up with more interesting things out of the show. I know some other folks are like, ah. But it's interesting. It really it's is. Fun. It's fun. It's interesting. So if you got more, you know, throw them out there. Let us know. My favorite was when you said I she wants to steal my soul or something. Yeah, because like that. that was like that was like oh, <laughs> I mean, it kind of it fit the theme of the show, it did. but it really had nothing to do with anything I'd ever think or feel. You no, know, but it was great. Yeah, it really was like oh, that kind of works. Uh, so eight five five eight five three forty eight zero two is the uh, phone number to call in here to Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi. Uh, my son and I are brand new listeners to podcast, and um, we just barely discovered it several days ago. And my son was very excited and and encouraged me to call and tell a story that I've told him many, many times. In fact, he wanted to tell it himself, but I insisted that I tell. Anyways, here's the story. Um, <clears throat> when my parents were newly married, they lived in a small two bedroom house. It seemed to be occupied by some type of supernatural entity my mother reported that many times an american indian chief appeared to her in the house 
She reported him as appearing to wear a full uh, feathered headdress. He would taunt her and laugh at her. She reported this to my father who hadn't seen him or experienced the taunting or laughing. Um, I spoke with him about uh, telling the story and here is my father telling the story in his own words. He says, one night your mom woke me up with her crying and I said, what's the matter, honey? And she said, don't you see him? He's at the end of the bed laughing at me. I got out of bed and I went to the end of the bed and kind of waved my arms around slowly. And she said, yes, you're putting your arms right through him and he's laughing at me. I did not see or feel anything at that point. Uh, your mother had said many times that he would stand over her while she was sleeping and she would wake up and he would be standing over her laughing. On one occasion, she woke up being choked by him and was, was unable to breathe. Uh, one very cold winter night during a snow blizzard, I woke up because of noise sounding like someone trying to get in the front door. I could clearly hear the door handle rattling and I knew exactly what it was and they were trying to get in. So I very quietly tiptoed out from the bedroom to the front room and to the front door, which had one of those half wagon wheel type windows at the top of the door. I heard the door handle rattling right up until I got to the door to peek out the window. When I looked up to peek out the window, the door had handle rattling stopped. I looked out and there was no one there. We had a front porch that was about four feet off the ground. It had been snowing hard and the wind had been bl and the wind blowing. There was about three or four inches of snow on the front porch. I remembered opening the door and looking for footprints and there were no footprints to be found on the porch. I also looked to see if there was any way someone could have stood down on the ground off of the porch and reached the door, but they would have had to have been 10 or 12 feet tall to be able to reach the door handle and thereby not mess up any of the snow on the front porch. At that time, I became a believer. I went back to the room, got in bed, pulled the sheets over my head and snuggled up to your mom and stayed there for the rest of the night. So these are the stories that we grew up hearing uh, when we were kids about the American Indian chief who would harass and scare my mother. So years later, me and my sister, um, we're looking get, looking to get a place together, and we saw that this very same house was up for rent. We thought it'd be fun to go and and uh, you know see if we uh, wanted to move in there. Uh, we went and toured the house, and we talked to the current tenants. Uh, we didn't say anything uh, to the tenants about our parents' history with the house, or that we knew anything about the house. Um, after we had toured the house, um, we were leaving. I jokingly said, "Well, the house is nice. You know, we might be interested, but it's not haunted or anything, is it?" Uh, the tenants just laughed and they said, no, it's not haunted. Uh, we don't have any ghosts. They said, although our four-year-old does have an imaginary friend she plays with, she says an American Indian, she says that he's an American Indian and he visits her in her room. Um, when I related this story to my father, he wasn't surprised at all. He said that years after he had lived in that house, he came back to visit and happened to talk with the landlady and she confirmed that yes, quote, we have had others tell us the same stories about an Indian chief. Thank you for um, letting us talk, tell our story and uh, doing that. Yeah, my son loves your stories. They scare the tar out of him, and he wouldn't sleep very well that night. Um, so, no, appreciate the podcast. It was great. It was a lot of fun to hear people call in and tell their stories. So, thank you. Always happy to scare the bejesus out of a child, my friend. <laughs> thank you for uh, calling in and sharing your story with us. And. Uh, getting joy out of scaring your child too. I think that's uh, he's a, fun a brave thing. little guy. <laughs> he is. I mean, I love. If this show had existed when I was a kid, I. I mean, I, it, well, it kind of did. I think I found the coast to coast AM ghost to ghost episodes when I was about eh, 
12, 13-ish, uh-huh. right around there. And then I just kind of fell in love with that format. It was like, I want to do a show like that someday. And then eventually I did. He's he's braver than I was because yeah. I didn't even listen to the... I haven't listened to the early episodes of our show. You listen to this show. No. Yeah, because I think, I think uh, our friend Rhonda was listening to some of the episodes around the house today. She was listening to the Conjuring interview. That and I've never we, heard You haven't even it. heard it yet. No. That was just, an, that was just a re re-aired it the other day. I know. You got to listen to that. I need to listen to all the ones that I wasn't part of. Yeah, there's a lot of good uh, creepy-ass uh, shit on there. <laughs> People are like, I love when you say creepy ass shit. There you go. There you go. It is. It, it, there's some creepy stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really good. Have you heard the Amityville one where we I talked to the producer of that movie, the the My Amityville Horror? No. You've been, have you watched the documentary yet? No. Oh, we got to watch that together. I get more freaked out watching stuff than listening. And I think it's because yeah. the show has desensitized me to listening to stuff. Yeah. But watching it still freaks me out. Mm. But I have to say, I do give this show credit for when we went to the haunted house this season. Yeah. And I was not afraid at all, even when they come running up with the chainsaws. Yeah. It's like, you really can't do uh, anything here. I mean, just listen to some of our stories. This is, you're a guy with a mask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Anyhow. Uh, that was a good story. And that, that's cool. There's some father son uh, listening to the ghost stories. He'll always remember that. Yeah. Well, you know how I, I found um, Coast to Coast was my mom had told me that, you know, sometimes I remember I used to listen. I don't know what she listened to. Um, and maybe I th- she used to listen to some ghost show or, or paranormal talk show. Uh-huh. And I don't it was pro- it was pre Art Bell days. Um, and I believe it was like on WLS out of Chicago, which is a mega AM station. Like you can we can probably pick it up here mm-hmm. um, just because of a crazy signal. Um, but this would have been back like in the 60s and 70s. I don't know who that was that would have been hosting that show. Someone, maybe someone could enlighten me um, on who that would have been. Uh, but there have been somewhat of shows like that for a while. But uh, this is just, you know, the newest incarnation of it, you know, as the platforms evolve in the world of podcasting. So, uh, hey, Jessica writes in. Hi, Tony and Jenny. This is Jessica from Temple, Arizona. I was uh, the one who sent in the picture from Tucson of the ghost in the snow and rain. You asked if I ever turned into or tuned into the radio program you used to host on 104.7. And yes, uh, actually, I do remember your station. And you're, oh, oh, this was, uh, oh, uh, okay, so Temple is near Tucson. Tempe. Tempe, I'm sorry. <laughs> Temple's in Texas. Yeah. Tempe's in Arizona. Sorry. So that must be near Tucson, and that was a morning show I was doing, and I never even lived there. It no. was all pre-recorded from the land of Wichita. So you were totally tuned in with what was going totally. on. Totally. I've never been to Tucson. Oh, my gosh. I hosted a morning show there for like four years. Wow. <laughs> Playing lots of like Keith Sweat and uh, like Roberta Flack. And uh, all it was like old school and R and B. Great music, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, and a great radio voice you have, Tony. It would be a pleasure to hear uh, you read my story. It was meant to be that I stumbled upon your podcast while looking for the true story of The Conjuring. The movie fascinates me because we are also a family that lives with the paranormal. Your podcast has helped me understand why and how certain things happen in uh, to individual or a family that is in constant communication with the other side. The paranormal has always been active within our family. 
There is so much to tell, but for now, I think I'll start off with a visit from my grandfather. Three years ago, I had given birth to my wonderful, beautiful son named Miguel. While at the hospital, my son Ethan, who was five years of age at the time, was in my hospital room with me. It was just the three of us. Ethan has always been very special. I have five boys and all my children are special to me, but Ethan in particular has always been different. When he was a baby, orbs would always pop up in pictures. His eyes would always wander uh, in the pictures or in presence. He never talked much, but has a way of wearing his expression on his face. So my mother-in-law, so my mother-in-law says, he never slept and still doesn't. He would always wake up in the middle of the night, never cry, but would wake up and watch and play and look and listen. Sweet baby. Just a sweet little boy with an amazing heart. Anyway, while waiting for my father to arrive at the hospital for a visit to see the new baby, I decided to take a shower and freshen up. My newborn was sleeping, and my five-year-old was watching cartoons and heavy in the eyes, due for a nap. I thought to myself it would be the perfect opportunity to take a shower and get comfortable before I had visitors. I told Ethan to lie down, watch cartoons, and I'd be right out. His sweet little face looked at me and nodded, and the word mommy followed. As I was in the shower, I heard the hospital phone ring and stop, and then I heard it again. My curious five-year-old got up and answered it. I heard him say a few words and hang up the phone. Didn't think much of it, just assumed it was a family member calling to check in on the baby. I got out of the shower quickly and asked Ethan, who were you talking to? He said with a big, wide-open eyes, Grandpa. I said, Grandpa, huh? He's coming for a visit to see your new brother. Aren't you excited? He looked at me with a smile and said, yeah. When my father arrived soon after. I said, hey, Dad, sorry I missed your call. He said, I didn't call. I thought he was joking and said, yeah, you did. Ethan said he was talking to you. He said, nope, wasn't me. I looked at Ethan and said, I thought you were talking to Grandpa. His eyes widened as he looked at my father and nodded. About 20 minutes after my father had gotten there, Ethan walked up to my dad and as clear as day said, I'll give you my penny for a nickel. My, dad fa- my dad's face turned white and tears filled his eyes. I said, what's wrong? Dad, what's up? He said, I used to say that to my father when I was a young child. They sold these candies called Chuckles, and I would never have enough money to buy them. I always had pennies. My father would come home from work and tell me, I'll give you a nickel for a penny, and would wink. So every time I wanted to buy some candy, I'd tell him, I'll give you a penny for a nickel. I've never seen my dad so emotional. My father said that he had been thinking of my grandfather on the way up from Tucson, wishing that he had been around for us when we were born and how lucky he is to see his own grandchildren. I never met my grandfather. He passed away before I was born. My dad always would tell me how much he wished he was still alive so I could have been a part or he could have been a part of our lives. My grandfather passed away due to lung cancer when my father was in his 20s. My dad used to talk about how my grandfather was a kind man, a funny man, always making people laugh. I looked at Ethan and said, Did you talk to Grandpa on the phone earlier? With his big, beautiful eyes looking at me, he said, Yes. My dad has fallen very ill this past year, and I don't know how much longer he will be with us. Just the other day, he told me that when he takes naps, he keeps hearing his father, my grandfather, speak to him. That he keeps having dreams of her and dreams of his childhood. I didn't say much, but from listening to the show, I believe that my grandfather is waiting for my dad to pass, to greet him the day he leaves us. 
I find comfort in knowing that because I know when I pass, there's no other person that I would want to come get me but my dad. Thank you for taking the time to read my story. More to come. Happy New Year and blessings to your family. I wonder if little Ethan has a gift that will always be with him or if it was just a childhood thing. I don't know, because they both heard the phone. They both heard the phone, but Mm -hmm. he was the one that basically answered the call. Sure. You know? Like, was it meant for him to pick up? Like, did did the great-grandpa know, yeah, he's going to be able to hear me? Yeah. That's a neat story. It really is. That's a really good story. Thank you for calling in, or writing it, and uh, and sharing that story with us. I like those ones. Yeah. It's not always dark, you know? No. It's good to get some of those. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost story with us on the show. Hi, um, my name's Jackie. i just started listening to your podcast via podcast my podcast app um, and I have a story that happened to my younger brother when he was 16 um, and at the time he did not believe in anything paranormal he was very skeptical and even lasted off you know he's a big macho guy uh, at 16 he played football you know and um, we were at my lake house and my grandparents have a house next to us, and their house is about 150 years old, but they bought it from their parents, who had bought it from a previous owner who actually passed away, so it had been sold by the bank. And um, she was staying at my grandparents' house alone because my mother was cleaning our house, which was next door, because we had renters coming in, and she had made him stay in my grandparents' house because she had already cleaned his room. And this house that he was staying in is two stories. There's about seven bedrooms. It's a pretty large white house on the water. And it's old, old, old. Everything in it is basically furniture we've had from my great-grandparents. And my younger brother was staying in a room upstairs um, in the middle, about in the middle of the house, which is near a staircase. And he had locked all the doors before he went to bed. And he wasn't scared at all. I mean, I would have never stayed there because we had heard of guests coming to visit us and seeing things, but my grandparents were very strict about letting us talk about it, talk about what was going on in the house. They did not want us to be afraid of it. They never, ever wanted us to talk about what other people had seen, even though it was very interesting to all of us kids, of course. There are 10 grandchildren. So my younger brother is staying there and goes to bed and nothing out of the ordinary happens, you know, and then he remembers waking up uh, I'd say around 12 o'clock, so midnight, and he's hearing something in the closet in the room that he's staying. And he's like, oh, it's nothing. It's an old house. Something's creaking, of course. You know, what's the logical explanation? And he turns on the light. And he's like, all right, so this is, I'm just going to wait until the noise goes away. You know, I don't need to go look to see what it is because that's not going to help anything. So he waits, and it keeps happening. And finally... He decides, okay, this is not normal, and he starts to get up, and then he feels the noise. He hears the noise stop, and he feels something is in the room with him now, and he's like, okay, all right, something is really wrong, not okay, and he goes back into his bed, and he pulls the covers over his head because he just doesn't want to see whatever it is that he's feeling is in the room with him, and we had in the room one of those old luggage racks that's like a little X shape with the fabric on the top to put your luggage on. And it was very, very old, like 100 years old. 
and he remembers hearing something moving in the room. And later on, he found out by going back into the room and checking, the, the luggage rack had moved about two feet from the wall that it had been up against. And that was what he was hearing scraping on the floor. And he, at the time, it was like, oh, you know, it's still creaking, but this is a little creepy. You know, I don't really like this. And he was like, I'm just going to wait under my covers until it goes away, and then I'll go back to sleep. But those noise, the noises around the room were getting louder and louder. And finally, he was like, okay, that's it. I'm leaving. I have to go back to my house next door because this is ridiculous. So he jumps out of bed and runs for the door and flings open the door, you know, runs down the hallway. And he said, when he was telling me about it, he said he felt that someone was following him as he was running downstairs. He could feel someone behind him, but he did not want to look behind him. And when he got downstairs, gets into the dining room and he looks across the table and there's a big glass window and you see something glint in the window and he's like, I don't want to look at that. So he goes and he tries to open the door that he had locked and he unlocks it, but the door won't open regardless of how are he's going. So he's, he's figuring something's wrong. Maybe I'm unlocking it wrong. You know, the keys are really old keys. It's an old house and the doorknob's really old and rusty. So maybe he's just not doing it right. He's like, all right, I'll try the other door. So he turns back around, standing across the dining room table from him, it's a figure, top half, top torso of a woman. And she's standing there. And he describes her dress so perfectly, and he does not know anything about fashion. And he's describing the folds in her dress like an Empire waist-style dress, which a 16-year-old boy would know nothing about because that was only ever popular, you know, in the early 1900s. And he's talking about this dress in such perfect detail. He said it was blue, and she was standing there. And then she starts walking towards the kitchen, which was on the other side of the dining room table, which was where he needed to go because the door he was trying wasn't working. So he decides he's got no other option. He's got to run, make a run for it. And he just runs as fast as possible past her figure and out the door. And he runs back home to my house, which is like a two-minute run. And he gets in and he goes to my mother who's asleep and he's crying. And my mother hadn't seen him cry in years. And he's crying and crying and begging her to call the police and someone's in the house. And it was so crazy to hear this because we had all heard these stories and for him to have actually seen someone, you know, when we knew an older woman had died there and she'd had two young children when she died at my grandparents' house. And we supposedly, my mother growing up had heard high heels on the floor, but we never really believed it. And if you ask my brother about it to this day, he's very... He's, he's skeptical to even believe what he saw because once he talked to my grandparents about it, they were like, oh, you just saw something in the window. It was the shadow of something or a reflection. And don't be ridiculous. It was your imagination. You know, of course they don't want their younger grandchildren finding out about it and getting scared. But I believe what he saw was the woman who passed away in that house. And when I asked him, you know, were you, were you afraid for your safety? He said, no, I don't think that whatever it was meant any harm. It just seemed to want to know, want me to know that I'm, I'm here and I'm watching you sleep and I'm going to follow you downstairs and out the door. And he said he will never sleep there alone again. And I will never sleep there alone again either. But I thought it might be interesting for you guys to hear. Okay. Thanks so much. Bye. You're right. You will never sleep there alone again. Because even if they did, they're not alone. No, they're not alone, are they? <laughs> wow. It's the second time we've heard about high heels. 
High heeled ghosts. High heeled ghosts. It's the in thing this uh, this evening. Is that it? I don't know. <laughs> Creepy story. Very much so. Thank you for calling in and sharing that with us. Our phone number here is 855-853-4802 to share your real ghost story with us. And of course, if you like the show, please tell a friend about it. Share a link on Facebook, Twitter. Let the world know that you like real ghost stories online. That's how we grow the show. Let's do one more call before we wrap up the show for today. Hi. Hi, Tony and Jenny. Was from Bowling Green, Ohio. I had been waiting to uh, tell you guys and tell the community the story from when we went to Bobby Mackey's uh, last Halloween. But I, that's going to have to wait because something uh, pretty freaky happened actually uh, last night, and uh, not to us. My uh, godson has been living with us for the past uh, few weeks. He had some issues with uh, his brother at home and told me he'd come stay with us. And uh, my wife and I, last night, were out. Uh, first off, let me preface this by uh, this past week, we've had an eight or nine light bulbs uh, blow in a house. It, it's been really weird. And uh, my father-in-law came over and actually tested the voltage because he thought maybe the voltage the town was putting out was too high. Maybe they turned it up for some reason. And it it, it was really, it's just been really odd. So yesterday, my wife and I were out with our children. We have four small children, ages uh, five to eight. Twins are eight, six and five. And we are out and we are just getting ready to head into uh, the store get her grocery shopping done and he calls my wife and I can hear him and I can hear her whole demeanor kind of changed and she, she gets off the phone with him and she's like get out of the car she didn't want to you know say what happened in front of the kids and she says Jake was in the bathroom on the on the throne and uh the door was closed and he heard a distinctive six and eight the reason he thought it, it was me, he asked her if I was home or if I was with her. He said it was like like cowboy boots, work boots. He said it was six loud footsteps that, and they came right up to the door to the bathroom. And he said, uh, he called out loud. He asked, if, you know, Wes, is that you? Uh, are you home? And he said he heard nothing. And uh, then he felt two loud bangs on the wall uh, not behind where he was sitting but it would be in the kitchen which is uh, a joint just off of the kitchen and then there's the laundry room and there's a bathroom in there so it was like a wall over and he said by this time he had had enough and he ran out and uh, went over to our neighbor's house who were really good friends with him and He's a dice. He thought somebody was in the house. And uh, so Jason, you know, gets, they come over and uh, he goes through the house with a shotgun. And by this time, we're on our way home. He had called us in between coming out of the house and going to our neighbor's house. And I called him and they, they went through the house. Nobody's home. Uh, I dropped my wife off and the kids at her mom's house. And I went over there and met up with both of them. And as soon as I saw him, I mean, he, he was trembling. He's 
22, 21, 22 years old, and he, he is shaking. His, you know, his eyes are red. You can tell that he's very, very, very distraught, disturbed. Is something, you know, he's something really scared the shit out of him. And he's very visually shaken, and uh, so I tell him, "Yes, we need to go back in there." And before we went in, you know, I said a prayer over all of us because. Obviously, there's nobody in the house, and I just kind of, you know, connect the dots and better be safe than sorry. I prayed over all of us. We went in the house. We searched the house again, armed, of course, because we're from the country. And just had a real ominous feeling. And I got our Bible out of our family room, and I prayed over the whole house. And, uh... I actually called our pastor and he's coming over today and he's gonna do a blessing on the house. I mean, my, it felt better. The air didn't feel uh, real as heavy between the time of leaving and coming back. You know, I, I rebuked the spirit and everything my sister always told me to do when she was still alive, she was into that kind of stuff. Uh, the only thing that didn't seem very on par with me is we have three dogs and none of them acted out of the ordinary or seemed to be reacting to anything uh, when I asked him before we went inside he said the dogs didn't act out of the ordinary that they uh, you know they didn't seem very keen on anything the only reason that I honestly believe that it may have been something paranormal and not just you know the uh, tile popping or you know wooden floorboards in the house. The house is only about 40 years old. It was built in the 70s. And it's got those older house kind of noises. But, you know, he just described the distinctive footsteps. Uh, it's, uh, long story short, it's not the first time that we've had loud footsteps and uh, had a full-figure apparition that appeared uh, to me and my wife one night when we were sleeping. I did the same thing after that. Bless the house, or rebuke the spirit. We haven't had anything uh, since this week, with, or uh, I guess starting last week with the light bulbs popping, and you know it was kind of culminating on him yesterday. And I feel absolutely horrible, you know, that it did happen to him because he's uh, he was very, very visually shaken and disturbed. So I'm open for. Uh, any further suggestions? I think we're taking the right steps, though, as far as everything that I know and, you know, I've read over the years as far as, uh, you know, blessing the house and uh, keeping us safe, keeping them safe. Nothing bad's happened to us or the kids, and obviously we're not telling the children for obvious reasons. They have active enough imaginations as it is about us helping it along. So, uh, yeah, as I call it, Sunday... January 4th of the new year. Let's hope this is the last uh, last time I call for anything in the new year. Be good. Thanks for calling in and uh, sharing your story with us. Um, I, I, I'll go to my simple one first, which is, have you ever just tried speaking out loud, asking whatever it is to stop? Yeah. Um, I mean, blessing it, the house, doing this and that. I mean, that's good, uh, but sometimes it does stir it up. And you're not always necessarily asking it to leave. Um, have you tried that? 
I mean, just just the simple act of that, um, you, you know, and if it is something more than a human esque ghost that you have going on in that house, I mean, you said it's never hurt you. It's never really, you know, done anything super negative. Right. Um, that's why I don't really necessarily go to the realm of this being like a demonic entity or force. Just try asking it to stop freaking out your friends and family and yourself and kind of try and find some coexistence there. That seems to be what works best in most cases. Um, if, if that's not the case, I mean, I'm going to guess that there's got to be a connection here with all your light bulbs bursting and all this activity just suddenly happening when when your uh, your godson came in from a negative situation. There's probably a lot of negative energy that came in here. I'm not saying he's a negative person, but just he had been surrounded by it for so long. Um, that he was trying to escape with that it's probably feeding off of each other a bit. Yeah, I would agree. I think he's probably, if he's not living in his, his regular home, yeah. I mean, it could be for the better, but it could be still kind of disturbing to him. Sure, and the anxiety th- of it. Yeah, and that might be what has stirred it up. Not saying it's his fault at all. No. Just saying that that might be the, the change in the The trigger atmosphere. for this to, mm-hmm. to be going on. Yeah, I mean, and, and no way am I saying kick him out. No, it's not. It's, it's just that may be what has triggered it is just all that energy that he's bringing into the table and that's triggering this this entity, whatever you got there, uh, to suddenly be manifesting itself, blowing out light bulbs and such. If it were me, and the other option is is moving and that's not an option to take, uh, it would be simply try talking, not stirring. Right. Essentially. Um, Because I I think sometimes with the blessings and all that, that's good. But sometimes I just, I don't know that that's going to do the trick. It's, you know, you're just like, oh, you're here. Um, Try just having a conversation. Yeah. Not that you're going to get a response back, um, you know, but just... Sit in a room by yourself, speak out loud, and and you know tell the entity whatever it is what your thoughts are, what you'd like it to do. See if that helps. Uh, if that does not help, let us know what happens next. See, I'd be the it wasn't me ghost. I'd be the one sitting there, and be like, ooh, why are they blessing the house? What are they trying to get rid of? <laughs> Completely oblivious. Yeah, that you're the ghost that they are trying to rid from the home. Yeah. That would be me. I'll find that ghost for you. Let's get rid of it. <laughs> Whatever's b- bothering you, let's fix this. So we can live happily ever after together. Yeah. That would be me, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it probably would be. <laughs> oh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number. If you want more ghost stories, become an EPP, an extra podcast person. You get bonus episodes sent to you every single week. Uh, right now, if you sign up instantly, you're going to get 19 episodes sent to you this coming weekend. You'll have uh, 20 when the next one comes out. So lots of perks there. Keeps our show alive and going. It's only five bucks a month. And uh, like I said, your support is what uh, keeps the wind in our sails. So check it out at uh, realghoststoriesonline.com. Click become an EPP. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thank you for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online.